Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on. You know, I'm so excited, not just because it's Easter and it's a time everybody looks nice and pretty and everything else, but, uh, you know, I just think about the life that God has given. And, you know, for me, it's been a 32-year journey that I gave my life to the Lord. And when I think about that, I remember where I was and had these young guys get up here this morning and begin to proclaim. And I know that if you stay with it, even in the midst of our faithlessness, come on, how many of you, you know what I'm talking about? Even in the midst of our faithlessness, God remains faithful. And I just look so forward to what God wants to do because with every journey, there's always a beginning. But, you know, even in the journey, we know that God is right there with us. Amen? At this time, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss all the children. Come on, children. You can go. Come on, give them a, a big hand. Pretty dresses and bows. And my little girl was at the front door telling people she lost her front tooth. I mean, her first tooth. And I think she was getting her own collection. Yeah, she was. And uh, she gets that from her mama. But, and uh, Tracy, no way, no. And, uh, but, you know, this morning we're going to prepare to receive our tithe and offering. But before we do, come on, someone ought to be excited about that. You know, you know, the mark of giving is just the grace of God on your life many times. And, you know, you know, when you look at Paul's writings, our giving should spring a willingness in our heart. And it really, you know, in chapter 9 of, of uh, you know, 2 Corinthians, I believe it is, and it just talks about, you know, it just says that, uh, it says you, you must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You know, you can come and people, I can tell sad little stories about malnutrition babies and we need to give to that. Or I could hoop you up and, you know, people go, yeah, hoop, hoop, you know, give it up. You know, we could do all that stuff. But, you know, I know this, that true giving is a joy. In contrast to just having a grudgingness, you know, some people, oh, we're here to give. It's really the attitude of a heart. Say it when you say the attitude of the heart. And Christian giving is a mark of generosity. And sometimes I know that as we give, it's a sacrifice. But my, the most important thing that I want people to know is this, is that if you can hear God, you know what we're going to be doing next week, starting a new series on the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when you meet the Holy Spirit, remember Jesus said this, is it's good that I go. You remember that? It's good that I go. In other words, he said at the last supper, he says, bye, guys. It's good that I go because when I leave, I'm going to send you a comforter. So really in our own hearts, we should be going like this. Bye. And when the Holy Spirit comes, we go, hi. Hi, Holy Spirit. And we begin that relationship with him. And when he begins to speak to us, we shouldn't do things grudgingly. Amen? And, you know, in the last thing, I believe that, you know, with finances, it should be handled with honesty, with integrity, it should be something we care about. And as stewards, as a, as a pastor and as a church, we should be good stewards of what God has blessed us with. And this morning, I just want to share with you just a recent thing that just really happened. And uh, I had my fourth round of uh, chemotherapy this past Monday. I feel great. And I'm not here to share anything but other than just to let you know that my levels, my CA levels are still going down on February 22nd. It was 5.8, which is above where they want it to be. And just this past Monday, where I got the results Tuesday, it was 1.4. So we need a shout to the Lord. And, you know, I, look, I walked in there. I looked at everybody and said, my miracle's coming. My miracle's coming. But in my third round of chemotherapy, you don't know this, but I've been praying. I said, God, we just, I really, I'm really praying for just a financial breakthrough in our church, you know, there's things that we want to finish and complete. Like we want to do the foyer. We want to start a new parking lot. How many believe we need a new parking lot? Anybody believe we need a new parking lot? And we'll just keep it like it is if you don't want to change. But, but uh, just make a long story short, I'll just tell you what happened. Uh, and I'd been praying, and I had a, a friend of mine that's a businessman that called me, and he said, Bubba, I want to... I want to do something this year. I want, to, I want to do matching funds for the church. And he said, what I want to do is I want to do this. He says, whatever comes in, I want to match. And so for the next seven weeks, whatever comes into the offering, listen to me, 
they're going to match. And this is what he told me. He said, Bubba, the sky is the limit. Come on. Anybody feel good about that? I mean, when's the last time you had someone say the sky is the limit? I've never had that. But this is what he told me. And, you know, this morning, Jamie's sharing that with the Eunice campus. So this is all I'm asking you to do. I just want you to pray for the next seven weeks. And the last week is going to be the week after Mother's Day. We're going to have a miracle Sunday like we've done before. And if you're just praying, there's no pressure. I'm not here to give you pressure. I'm not here to talk you into anything. You're just going to see the results. Isn't that good? How many of you want to see results? And we'll give you more detail as the week goes on so you know exactly what's going on, where we're putting that money. We have some dance, debt cancellation that we had just in the church, and we want to cancel it. We, we have the ability to cancel that out. Isn't that good when you feel that way? And then we look at things, more things we can do. So I'm not here to talk long about that, but I'm here to just say this. My faith, when he told me that, Listen, I'm just sitting in the chemo chair, half asleep. I'm going, oh, man, I'm just, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. I'm, can I just be honest with you? I mean, every time I got to go, like that Sunday night, I'm like, I'm, I'm wanting to back out. Because Monday morning, I know it's, an, it's that whole journey that I got to walk through that I don't like. It, you don't like feeling the way you do. You got things in you. You got feelings in your fingertips and your tongue. You can't taste things. You can't drink cold stuff. And I'm like, God, man, you just, you got to eat certain things. And, you know, how many of y'all see I've lost some weight, right? I'm not quite the full gospel preacher look that I used to be. Yeah, I'm slimmed down version. But, you know, the most important thing, it's not the chemo. It's, it's really my diet. I've had to change my diet. I did have a good bad day on Friday. Can I just make a confession? I told my wife on Friday, we went to Lake Charles. I said, you know, baby, for two and a half, three months, I haven't had any fried chicken. Come on, Shai. Come on. How many of you know we like gospel bird in South Louisiana? You know, there's more gospel preach around chicken than any other animal on the face of the earth. So we call it gospel bird. But anyway, but I went to Raising Cane's. I went and raised Cane, and I had French fries for the first time. I mean, my taste buds went wild. They went, <laughs> they started speaking. I'm, I, there was diver tongues happening inside my spirit. And then that night, you know, that day, my sons came over and we, we, we ate 40 pounds of crawfish. I was feeling so good. And I topped it off with great divide bluebell ice cream. Now, how I've gotten from there to the offering, I don't know. But I'm fixing to get myself out of the ditch. Is that all right? But, you know, it's like it was one of those good, bad days, you know, and it was a good day for my taste buds, but it was a bad day that, you know, that I shouldn't be eating some of that stuff, but it just felt good. I felt like I had revival. But, you know, the most important thing for us, guys, let me just say this, and whatever comes in these next seven weeks, we're going to give 10% away. Is that all right? We're just going to give, we're going to, we want to be a blessing to some people. My friend in South Africa, Pastor Villain, your friend, Pastor Villain, I said, look, you've got 5% whatever comes in. We're going to send it to Africa for your building. And, you know, he was like, and he's not, he's not worried about that. He said, I'm just praying for you, Pastor Baba. You know, and, and it's like, and then we have other churches that we want to give. We want to seed into Lake Charles Church. They're in a building project. Wouldn't it be good to proceed something into their building project? Amen. And give to them. And then we have other people that we want to give that are in building. Our New Orleans church, they're in, a, they're in a building project. It's not quite the project we have. It's about $32 million, and they've already raised. You're going, what? Listen, they've already they got serious people over there, okay? They're not quite like us. The only time they get on their knees is when they lose a diamond and look for it in their house. But, no, I'm just teasing. I said, people in, South, in our part of South Louisiana, when we, when we get on our knees, we really pray. We're not looking for diamonds, Amen? Okay, I've, I've journeyed too far. Okay, I can see right now. But uh, let's just pray and ask the Lord to come. And if you're going to give this morning, remember, it's, it should spring out of your heart. It should be something in your motive. And you should give, and you should give with joy. And you need to look at it like you need to sow with joy, just like a farmer going sowing seed, and you're believing for a great harvest. So, Father, this morning, we thank you. I thank you this morning. There's no pressure. I just thank you for... This man that just had a heart for our church, and he didn't do it because he's feeling sorry for me. God, he sees a vision and what you want to do in this region, in this area. And we just so happen to be able to, be to, to participate 
in that this morning. And I pray that, God, not only would you bless, not only would you breathe upon this offering, but those that are willing to sow, I pray for abundance in their life. How many of you believe in for abundance in your life? Just, God, I pray for abundance. You know, some are in jobs that they need just change. Some need, or just, they feel like there's things that need to happen. Lord, I pray that you would just bring breakthrough in their lives. And they would be a person of great reputation, of great responsibility. And God, they would just, they would do what you want them to do. And they would sow seed the way you want them to with joy and gratefulness. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Guys, go ahead. And this morning, if you want to turn with your Bibles, turn your Bibles to Revelations chapter 12. And this has been a scripture that's really been in my spirit since I've literally started this journey this past year. And it's Revelations chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. And I want you to turn there because it's a very incredible. I know it by heart, but I'm going to read it to you this morning. But, you know, I know this. For Easter, we're just excited that you came to celebrate with us today. Are you excited about the Lord? And Jesus lived a life we couldn't live because he lived a life without sin. Jesus died the death we couldn't. We should have died. We should, we should have died in death, you know, for our sin. But Jesus rose to give the gift that, that could not, we couldn't earn. And, and you know what? The forgiveness of sin. He conquered death. And he has eternal life for every one of us. There's no judgment on our lives anymore. But there's freedom in our lives. There's one thing. That, 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 there is no one who has transformed the world like Jesus Christ. Amen? You know, this morning, all throughout Jerusalem, I got up early this morning and I was watching this special on Fox News, and it was says, what do you say about Jesus? And it was just talking about everybody that's in Jerusalem, and they were giving all these facts, and they had a Jewish rabbi and a Catholic priest sitting next to each other, and we said, we're talking about the same God. We have some differences in, in some of our beliefs, but we're talking about the same God and who the Messiah was, but we know that Jesus is our soon returning king. He is the Messiah. There's a second coming of Jesus. How many of you believe that? And, you know, our prayer today is you hear how much the man loves you. And we're talking about, and, and, and you would respond by loving him. See, I want you to understand when you leave here today how much Jesus loves you, but how you would respond to the love God has for you. Amen? And so let's go to Revelations chapter 12. And it says, then I heard a voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of God. And the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of the brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. In other words, the enemy accuses you every day. You know what I hope he accuses me of? He's living for you, Lord. I'm sick and tired of Bubba living for you. I'm sick and tired of you put, fill in the blank of them standing for you. I'm sick and tired. Every day I have to accuse them of serving God with a whole heart. Wouldn't that be a good accusation? The devil just gets sick and tired of you. He just gets mad at you. And he just, you know, he's like, I can't do anything with them. But I love what it says when he was cast down. If we can adjust the air conditioners a little bit, I see ladies like cringing and I see frost on people's nose. Is that true, lady? Are y'all good? Okay. Okay, well, good. It's me. Praise God. Y'all pray for me. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'll take my jacket off in a minute. But, but it just says this. It says day and night. And they, listen, they defeated him. Listen, how? By the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as they were afraid to die. Satan's defeat should be an encouraging part of every Christian. We should know this, that he will be shown for what he is. One day the Bible says that he will be shown up for what he really is. We're going to look at him and the nations are going to say this. So what it says in the Old Testament, is this the worm? How many of you seen a worm before? How many of you talking about a worm? I mean, just a worm. And that's what the Bible says. We're going to see for a reason. Is this the worm that made nations tremble? Is this the worm that caused me to lose whatever I lost? Is this caused me to be what I've become? Or, you know, and it, according to the verse, God has called us to live in victory. Say it when we say the word victory. See, this morning, there are three components to, the living, to, to living that way. In each of them, first of all, there's a sacrifice. There's a great sacrifice. The second one is unforgettable testimony. 
And the third one in this scripture is an unwavering devotion. See, there's a great sacrifice. In other words, the greatest sacrifice, Romans 3.23 says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All, no matter what, it doesn't matter if you were a good kid in school, it doesn't matter if you were a hellion in your family, all of us miss the mark. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Doesn't matter where you came from, it doesn't matter how you start the race, it's matter how you finish this race, what's really important, Amen. And so this morning as your pastor, I want you to finish the race well because I'm going to stand before God one day and give account how I instructed you, how I encouraged you, and I don't want you to leave here like a wet noodle or a little worm that's shriveling this morning. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That you would just begin to stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to serve God with a whole heart and all that's within me. And see, all of us, you're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you are a sinner. Hello. You see, here's the bad news on top of bad news. We can't do anything to fix it. How many you try to fix yourself up? How many of you know the older you get, things that used to, things begin to sag and drag? It don't matter what oil you mean. It doesn't matter if you, if you marinate yourself in oil of Olay. It don't matter if you put reduction on you, reducers or whatever. It don't matter what cream. It doesn't matter all those different things. We, I mean, people buy Things for their hair to make their hair look a certain color. There's people that buy things, you know, that now they got this waist thing. You've seen that on TV? That it'll make you lose four inches. People are buying that. Now they have that thing that make you like look like six foot tall. You've seen that one too? I, I wonder how do they keep their, their feet in the shoes? You know what I'm saying? They have all these things that make us look better. Make us, you know, I mean, I heard Cher's had so many operations. She's been tucked and pucked so much. She don't know. I mean, she, you don't even know how she looks. Kenny Rogers had a, you remember Kenny Rogers, the gambler? I mean, he had, he had, he had surgery, and now he said because now his beard, he has to shave behind his neck because they pulled his face <laughs> so far back. I'm serious. I mean, I saw Kathy Lee Gifford the other day on TV, and I hadn't seen her in years ago. Girl. You got fish lips now, baby. I mean, she just doesn't look normal. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm fishing, but I'm going somewhere, I promise. But see, I know this. Here's the first thing I want you to know. Jesus' blood forgives our sin. What do you mean, Pastor Bob? Ephesians says this. He was so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. And forgave our sins. He purchased our freedom with his blood. We're no longer in bondage of sin. We're not a slave to sin anymore. And we're free from God's judgment. Aren't you glad you're free from God's judgment? That one day when God looks upon you, he doesn't look upon you. He looks upon the sacrifice that Jesus gave. And he says, I see my son's blood. That means they're washed. That means they're clean. Enter into my presence. It's only because of the blood that we can enter into God's presence. You see, when we sin, we sin against one another. And we need people to forgive us. How many of you have blown it before? How many of you have had to go back and ask people to forgive you? How many of you enjoy doing that? None of us enjoy that. But, you know, the incredible thing is, is that, you know what? But every time we sin against God, God reminds us. He comes to us. Don't you feel him sometimes? It's called conviction. It's called concern. It's called compassion. It's called love. See, you know what? You know, I know the burden of guilt, the shame that comes, the condemnation, those quiet moments when you ponder the most regrettable parts of your life, those things that we've done, those things that we've said. You know what each of us need? Forgiveness. Can I just be honest? There's sometimes I say things that I would never tell you that I've said. How many, you know, maybe you didn't cuss outwardly, but inside you were cussing. You know what I'm talking about. Put your hands down back there. I can see them both. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Something happens and you're just going. Wouldn't it be great to see people's spirit? Because look, on the outside, we look good. Hey, how's it going inside you, dirty, rotten dog? And you know, Jesus says from the cross, Father, forgive them. Who did he say that to? To the very people that murdered him. 
Let me tell you, if Jesus can forgive murderers at his moment of murder, he can forgive anyone of anything and in in everything and everywhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Here's a word of freedom to you this morning. They overcame by the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. See, the second thing I want you to know about the blood is that you need to understand that our sin can't be managed. How many of you know you can't manage sin? It, it has to be defeated. Our sin has to be. Thankfully, we don't have to defeat our sin because Jesus has already done that for us. Amen? The second thing is Jesus' blood cleanses our filth. You know, my grandsons and my kids were playing in my backyard the other day, and we were eating, you know, we were eating and stuff, and they wanted to, Zach had gone, gotten some yogurt, and Eli's hands were just, like, filthy. And we were talking about, like, one of our kids got, uh, what are they, worms? What, pinworms. How many, you know, how many you ever had your children get pinworms? My wife goes, you know, go check. And it was, I'm not going to tell you which son it was, but it was my third son. He lives in Nashville. And he used to play the drums here. But anyway. And I remember going in the bathroom, and I said, bend over, because, you know, I've got to see what's going on. And it's like when he bent over, there was like a worm that said hi. I'm not going to tell you where he was at, but I'll just tell you. He just poked out, and he said, hey. I mean, we were, telling, we were talking about, you know, Claire was going, oh, I don't want my kids to get that. You know, and I'm like, well, we've experienced it all. You know what I'm talking about. And, and it's like, you know, you know, you can get it because you get little eggs in your fingers. And, you know, mamas, you know what I'm talking about. Daddies are like, Every kid needs a worm once in a while. Toughen them up. No, anyway. But forgiveness is about, it's about the sins we've committed. That's what forgiveness is about. But cleansing is about the sins that have been committed against us. What do you mean? There are three ways you deal with that. And I want you to listen. I believe they're listed. Number one is you embrace it. It becomes your identity. When people sin against you, our lives are marked by what has been done to us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes people have done things or said things or acted a certain way, and we pattern the rest of our lives by that scar, by that wound. You see, it's a wound, and God wants to make it a scar. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The difference between a wound is something that you got to sew up and you got to put antiseptic on, but a scar shows you it used to be there, but it's no longer there anymore. And you know what? The Bible says when we see Jesus in heaven, his resurrected body, he's still going to bear the prince of his love and his hands and his feet and his side, that we're always for eternity to be reminded of his sacrifice. Not only did he forgive us our sins, but he cleanses us from all our filth. How many of you got, how many of you got some stinking thinking sometimes? How many of you got some filth in your life that you know, you, man, I need God to help me? Are you hearing me? And that's the great, that's the great promise of Easter. That, you know, that's a great promise. You know, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave dwells in you and me. Amen? And if it lives in us, it gives us the ability to overcome. And see, the next thing is you can deny it. You see, if you don't embrace it, you just try to deny it. Others are so paralyzed by their shame, they essentially shut down emotionally. They live isolated lives in an effort not to become vulnerable or get hurt again. In other words, they just, they check out. Just check out. And one of the things that I learned working on the inner cities for eight years in America, I met people that had incredible lives, but something happened to them, and they just began to check out of life. They become homeless in order, you know what happens in order to become homeless? You've rejected every bit of help that maybe your family or loved ones or your mates or your children tried to give you, and you've rejected all that, and you've allowed hurt to rule you and reign in your life. And all of a sudden, you become a recluse, that you literally live in a box, and you don't care. I've seen it. I've seen people delivered from it. But either you embrace it, or you deny that wound or that hurt. And the last one, you just numb it. What do you mean? Others seek to numb their pain by what? Drugs, alcohol, sex, power, success, whatever else enables them. Either they stop feeling, they, either they stop feeling entirely or they start feeling a measure of self-worth. It, it gives them that. I talked to a guy yesterday, picked me up, and he was just telling me, and I know that people in my neighborhood said he's a drug dealer, okay? So whatever. And he just pulled over, and I was 
going to do something in my neighborhood. And he said, hey, Bubba, man. He goes, man, I'm sorry to hear my dad has what you got. And he started talking to me. And, and I, said, I just told him, I said, man, I'm not looking for your sympathy. I don't know. You know, Pastor Bubba, I, I, man, I just, I can't believe. And I, and I just began to tell him, I said, hey, look, it's a journey. God's with me. It's nothing to be concerned about. I mean, I, I want you to be But He goes, he said this, I'm praying for you. And can I say something? He may be doing all that stuff, but I believe he's probably praying for me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just because you do, listen, I'll just say this. I know that people this week, this week in this house, and I'm going to shock some of you, have struggled with drugs, which struggled with alcohol, which struggled with pornography. People in this house have struggled with things in their lives. But Jesus says this, not only do I want to forgive you for sins, but I want to cleanse you. I want to give you the power to overcome those obstacles and those things that you depend upon. See, some of you, you come in here and the enemy plays a shame game on you. Are you hearing me? You go, well, I can get free, but you, you just, I'll get free when this. And you know what? And he just puts shame. And see, First I, I, John, this is what it says. But if you are living in the light as God is in the light. I love this. This is the first scripture I ever learned being a Christian. Then you have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, listen to what it says cleanses us from all sin. How much sin? Let me ask you a question. How many you sinned this week? Damn, Pastor Bob, we got a lot of confession going on. Listen, can I tell you why? I was reading an article this morning. In, right now, in our military, the largest population of soldiers that are, that are religious are Catholic. And right now, out of the whole military, there's only 216 priests that are in the military to reach all of our troops. They're saying they don't have enough priests to be able to meet the need of what's going on with the military. And it just gave me a burden. You know, you hear what I'm saying? And, and just, it talked about, you know, chaplains and how they're, they're, there's just not enough of them anymore in our services. And I thought, man, just, it's a sad thing because some of those things, guys go through things, they face things that you and I wouldn't want to face. Let's just confess it. Amen. Then I just encourage you to be praying for our troops. We're in a, we're in a tough time in America. There are guys right now that are serving our country that are overseas right now that are in arm's way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I just encourage you to pray for them this week. You know, we had a soldier just came and they did, they did a funeral procession here in Jennings this week of a soldier that was killed, you know? And so, but the Bible says, listen, it, and he says this, he says, but it says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. It reminded me of an article I read this week. They had a Florida court, and I'm going to read it. In Florida, an atheist created a case against Easter and Passover and Holy Days. He hired an attorney to bring discrimination against Christians and Jews and and in observance of the holy days. The argument was that it's unfair that atheists had no such recognized days. The case was brought before a judge. After listening to the passionate presentation by the lawyer, the judge banged the gavel, declaring case dismissed. It's a true story. The lawyer immediately stood objecting to the ruling, saying, Your Honor, how can you possibly dismiss the case? The Christians, have, the Christians have Christmas, Easter, and others. Then the Jews have Passover and Yom Kippur and, ha, and, and ha, um, Hanukkah. Thank you. Thank you for reading with me this morning. Yet my client and all other atheists have no such holidays. The judge leaned forward in his chair and saying, but you do. Your client, counsel, is woefully ignorant, the lawyer said. Your Honor. We're unaware of any special observance or holiday for atheists. The judge said the calendar says April 1st is April Fool's Day. <laughs> Psalms 14:111 said the fool in his heart said there is no God. Thus, it is, my, it is the opinion of this court that, in your cli- that, that if your client says there is no God, then he is a fool. Therefore, April 1st is his day. Court is adjourned. Come on, you got to love a judge that knows the scripture. Come on. True story. You know, it doesn't matter what you've done. It does matter what's been done to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's about what Jesus has done for you. Jesus makes unclean people clean. 
He does. Last night, my kids were going to go to bed. I was going to let them go to bed. My wife goes, no, y'all both taking showers. You're filthy and you're dirty and you need to get clean. Come on, mamas. So my children came to church this morning smelling good. If it was up to me, I would just say, you know, whatever. <laughs> Spray something on you. You know what I mean? I did take a bath, a shower this morning. Cleansing comes. Listen how it comes. Cleansing comes from confessing. How does it come? We confess our sinfulness and Jesus' power to cleanse it. God, you have the power. Because see, in that last portion of that scripture, it says this. It says, listen, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, it says he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Let me just say this about God. He's faithful. He's faithful. That changes how we view people. You're not just a victim. You're not just a victim. You're clean. God cleans you. You're not just just dirty. You're clean. You're not just defiled. You're you're clean. Jesus took all the filth. He gave you all his righteousness. In Christ, you're forgiven and you're clean. Say it with me. Say, I'm forgiven. Come on, say it like you really are. Say, I'm forgiven and I'm clean. The Bible says this, when you give your heart to the Lord, he cleans the slate. He washes your sins and he makes it makes you pure, like snow, purer than snow. The Bible also says there's rejoicing in the presence of God. That God's not. Listen, there's rejoicing. In other words, in the presence of the angels. You know what? That means God's doing a shit and dig for you. God's rejoicing and dancing. Not the angels. God's doing it in front of the angels. Come on. When he he saw these boys getting baptized this morning, can I just tell you something? I think there was a party in heaven this morning. Oh, come on. Y'all need a party. Y'all need to loosen up. Some of y'all just too religiously serious this morning. Somebody ought to have fun. Come on. That people would come and they, let, they would drown themselves. One boy, he wanted to stay there for a while this morning. I said, good. Good old cleansing coming. Kind of reminds me of the drunk that got in the baptismal line. You know, he got in there and, and he said, he, he got in there and people, the, the preacher was baptizing people and the drunk, he said, he and, the, and, the, and the, he just got up and he said, you know, I want to be baptized. And the pastor just kept him under and he kept trying to come out. And the pastor just kept him under. And he finally came out and go, ah, 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 what you trying to do, kill me? He goes, that's exactly what Jesus wants to do. He wants to kill you and then let you come out a new man. Amen. And for some of us, that's what God comes. He comes and see the third thing. Are y'all with me this morning? Jesus' blood heals our diseases. Man, that's a scripture for me. You see, Isaiah says this, but he was pierced for what? Our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Listen, in relationship, see, the experience of wholeness in your body, in your mind, in your relationship with others, it's a punishment for crimes. And he paid the punishment. Christ is a wonderful physician. He heals by taking the sickness of his people unto himself. That God would literally take my cancer. Are you hearing me? Listen to me. He would take my cancer. He says, Bubba, I take your cancer and I heal you. What does that mean? that I'm trusting him to take what I cannot do. See, doctors can treat me, but God can heal me. Come on. You know, I can do all I can do with diet and all those other medicines and all that, but I'm believing he can do all he can do, and that's a whole lot more than I can do or doctors can do, and that's what I'm hoping that God will do. Are you hearing me? I'm placing my faith in that. You see, we have no fear of death. Because, you know, he put death to, to the grave. He, he put death to shame to the grave. Listen, death, we should, as Christians, you shouldn't have fear of that. None of us should. Why? Because, you know, death is like, hey, I see Jesus. Why would the Christian martyrs, why would they martyr? They went, they stood before lions. They stood before people. They stood, and, and they just take me. You know what their attitude was? They weren't, they weren't in the arena going, you know what the adult Christians would do? They'd put their kids out for the lions first. 
Because that's when the lions were the hungriest and they would go and kill the children and take them out immediately. Because after they'd filled themselves with the children, they would just take the adults and just maul you and play with you. And it was a slow, painful death. And these Christians stood before conquerors of Rome and the Philippians and they looked at God and they said, take me. And they would look and they would begin to proclaim Jesus as strong and mighty. And they would see him just like Stephen when he was stoned, not with dope. He was stoned with rocks. And what happened, he says, and he said, I see. I see standing at the presence of God. He saw the son of God standing, waiting to welcome you into his kingdom. The fourth and final thing for his blood, the blood makes us new. You need to know that our pat, that your sins past and present and future went to Jesus. He was cursed. He was broken. He was ashamed. And all of his righteousness came to you. He took on all of that in his righteousness. You see, I know this. The gospel is good news because it's not about what we do for Christ, but what he has done for us. And see... You get a new mind. You get new desires. You get a new community. You get a new identity. You get a new destiny. See, when you come into a relationship with God, the Bible says all things become new. Let me ask you a question. Do you think, do you see things different than you used to see because of Jesus? How many of you got to be honest when you used to could lie about things? How many of you go, it'd be a lot easier to lie sometime, but... Come on, let's be real. No one wants to confess. All right, all right. It's all right. I I still love you. I'm fishing. You know, how many of you, God's changed your your desires? I love, I heard about a guy that he had given his life to the Lord. His wife first came to the Lord, and he was an atheist, and he ended up trying to study and disprove Jesus that in, as he started studying all the manuscripts, he, he literally went to the original manuscripts and he found uh, over a hundred other writings about Jesus and his life and the miracles and everything else. It was all there and he studied it and he ended up giving his life to God. And the day that his little girl was like six years old, she came to her mother and she said, Mama, I want to know the Jesus that my daddy met. I want that Jesus. You see, the Jesus that we have, the world should want it. Let me tell you something. All of us are advertising. All of us are. Amen? All of us are. What are you advertising? Are you you advertising like, Grumpy, mad, displaced, bothered. Hello, come on. What are you advertising? You see, and the thing that I love is there's always, see, the, the greatest reason why many overcome rather than, than overcoming is that they quickly forget what God has done in their lives. See, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Let me tell you what a testimony is. A testimony is this. First, it's a test. It's a test. It's the story of the test of life. That's what a testimony is. Are you hearing me? Wouldn't it be great if God would come in just like the old, you know, broadcasting? This is the national broadcasting system. This is only a test. For the next 60 seconds, we're going to bother you, and we're going to go, for 60 seconds. Remember those tests? This has been brought to you by the National Associate, whatever, Broadcasters of America. And, and, you know, and the thing is, wouldn't it be great if God just came and said, you're fixing to go through a test. Be ready. Test time. See, each test that God brings us through is another testimony to his power and the work in our lives. Listen to me. A week ago, this is kind of cool. A week ago, the guy that used to be my roommate, when we, were, we used to call ourselves partners in crime, the guy that used to be my roommate that I ended up leading to the Lord, 
now owns a business that employs over 367 people. That's a lot of people. He got a big payroll to pay. And he looked at me, and he just told me, he said, Baba, whatever you're going through, this, I'm just, this is a testimony. He's watching me. He saw my mama at the um, petroleum club this past Sunday. He said, Joan, every time I see Bubba, I walk away more encouraged. I go there to try to encourage him, but I walk away more encouraged. And he says, you know what, Bubba? He said this, whatever you need during this time, if you don't have what you need, he said, listen, I've got 20 people that are ready to help you out financially. They will help you with every need that you have. And look at me. Can I give you my testimony? I looked at him and said, I don't need nothing now. God's taking care of me. He said, Baba, you've introduced me to the Lord. There's nothing I wouldn't do for you. You know, the testimony, you know, this is a test that I'm walking through. And guess what? It's as much a test for you as it is for me. Amen? Let me ask you a question. How many of you have had a few tests this week? Well, let's be really honest. How many of you had some really wacky tests this week? Come on, last week, this month. How about some tests that you don't even want to talk about that you hate, that you just, like, test? Listen, here's the testimony. Don't ever forget what God has done in your life, even through the test. Because, see, that's where the enemy gets you. He makes you think, oh, this is overwhelming. He tries to break you right before the breakthrough. Are you hearing me? And God, God wants to come, and he says, listen, you just trust me. Remember how I took, you, took care of you? I heard about a, a lady. She went to the doctor, and she looked at the doctor, and she got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And she went, and the doctor said, baby, you need to go home and get your act together because you only got like a month. She goes, so what you saying, Doc? She said, so you saying I ain't got no hope? He said, that's exactly what I'm saying. You don't have any hope. It, you know what? You have a month. Now, when you have pancreatic cancer, that's it. When they find it, usually it's too late. And she goes, I just want to know. So you saying I ain't got no hope? She goes, that's what I'm saying. She goes, that's all I wanted to hear. Because, you know, my hope is not in you. My hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to trust him no matter what I go through. And I'm here to tell you, baby. No matter what you say, no matter what I go through, my hope is in God. And God's going to meet me. God's going to heal me. Three weeks later, the lady went in and they went for three hours looking for cancer. And they could not find it. And listen, when she got out and she was up, she goes, mm-hmm, there you is. Mm-hmm, I've been waiting for you, doctor, because remember you done said, I ain't got no hope, but Jesus is my hope. You want to meet him? Because <laughs> that's what it's all about. Listen. A testimony is when you didn't have hope and God broke through somewhere and he met you and he, he helped you in your circumstances and you look and you go, come on. And how can you be stiff in church when God has done so many great things in your life and you can barely raise your hand or you can barely show up? We ought to be showing up early, seeking God, thanking him for all that he's done and all that he's going to do. Amen? I'm preaching myself happy this morning. And the last thing. It's just an unwavering devotion. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? Listen. Matthew 20, 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. To buy a debt that all of us owe. He bought it. Buying us out of slavery. He even asked God to remove the task, to make another way, but ultimately concludes that, God, your will be done. you imagine the task that was over him? It had to be overwhelming. Yet Jesus was unwavering in his devotion to the mission God had given him. Philippians says this, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. This is Paul. 
speaking in Philippians, he says, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living, mean, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. You know, when Jesus rose from the grave, he gave his disciples the same power that he had. A bunch of cowardly guys became fearless and willing to die. Think about it. How many of you say your nature, you're a little cowardly sometimes? You don't want to admit it, but you are. The Bible says this, that God gives you the same, say it with me, same power. Say it with me, same power that raised him from the grave lives in me. You need to preach yourself till you get happy with that. The same power that raised Jesus. What a revelation. What an incredible hope. What an incredible testimony that we can have. And today, you know, he's not in the tomb. There's no see the bones of Jesus tour in Jerusalem. Are you hearing me? Because he's not there. You know, he's alive. Come on. How many know he's alive? I love what that African-American pastor said. I love one of my favorite Easter messages. Friday, they put my Lord in the grave. That was Friday. They didn't give up. Nothing happening. That was Friday. But Sunday was coming. Friday, they crucified my Lord. Friday, they put him in the grave. Friday, they said they wrote up. The Friday, the disciples ran for their lives. That was Friday. But Sunday was a coming. And see, for us, I don't know if it's your Friday, but you know when Sunday hit? Let me tell you something. You know, I mean, in this church, you had to go to the church. When he said Sunday, he goes on Friday, and when he went, but Sunday, my Lord rose from the grave. He was ruling. He was reigning. He was victorious. He was saving. He was serving. He was forgiven. And one day he'll return. And that's Sunday. But what are you in? Are you having a Friday? Or do you need a good Sunday, baby? You see, I'm serving the God of a Sunday. He's not in that grave anymore. He's alive. He's ruling. He's reigning. He's got, I mean, think about it, guys. One day he's going to establish a never-ending kingdom. He's preparing the place for you. Death will be no more. Rebellion won't be any more. Sin and Satan will be no more. Are you hearing me? And those whose faith is in him will be raised up to be with him, and they will rise to be, the Bible says, like him. That one day, this body, this body right here, that once wore grave clothes. Right now, I don't wear grave clothes anymore. I wear grace clothes. I'm covered by the grace of God. You're covered by the grace of God. But one day, these grace clothes will put on immortality. Are you hearing me? I want you to be my neighbor in my hood in heaven. I want to look at BJ one day and go, BJ, you remember you gave me that dog kennel, man? I got my heavenly lab. He always listens. Now you need to cage him up. The heavenly geese, they always fly. They never die. Anyway, just kind of like catch and release, you know, shoot and release. Anyway. They overcame by the blood of the lamb. They overcame. Remember that word? Overcame by the blood of the lamb, by the words of their testimony. What's coming out of your mouth? What are you speaking? One of the things I've learned in my journey that I'm journeying, Pastor Willem told me this. He said, when people start speaking things over you and it's like death, you feel it, speak life. I had one lady this week. She was trying to be nice. Well, you're going to, you know, this and then. And I said, no. I said, no, that's not going to happen. 
you know, in me, before I knew the Lord, there was a rebellious streak in me. Shh, be quiet, Miss Jean. There was this thing that I just didn't like being told what to do. You know what I'm talking about? And I've seen it transcend in my children. And, and it's like, sometimes I'm just, I just want to say, that ain't happening. And it's like, you just kind of have this righteous rebellion. You know what I'm talking about? You go, no, God's given me life. And he's going to see me through this no matter what. And see, this morning, let me just say this. If you're here, Jesus alone saves from sin. He saves from death. He saves from hell. I just want to invite you this morning to trust him. Trust in Jesus trust in Jesus. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what you're going through. But I like what it says. And they were overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they counted not their lives dear unto themselves. Or they weren't, they, their lives weren't that important. And we should invite him in today. This is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life when you invite Jesus into your life. Turning from sin, trusting in him. That's the most important moment in your entire life. The most important moment I made in my life was May 15, 1980, on a Wednesday. That I bowed my knee in my bedroom, that I wasn't even living in my mom's house, but I'd gone there, and I bowed my knee, and I asked Jesus to come into my life to forgive me. And I remember I said, if, Pastor Jacob, said, the Bible says, Bubba, if you say you have no sin, the truth is not in you. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive you of all your sin and to cleanse you from all unright. And I remember he said everything, and I remember making that, getting down, and I didn't know what deliverance was, but I began to pray and ask God. And I looked at Jacob, and I go, it's not gone. It's still there. And he goes, well, let's keep praying. Because guess what? I had some inner, I had not just devils, I had some inner devils. You know what inner devils are? A devil in a devil. Okay, never mind. That's a whole nother message. And I needed to be delivered, literally. And see, this question I have for you, this is simple. Will you leave a Christian today? Or will you leave a non-Christian? Will you let another week go? Will you resist the grace of God? Will you reject the love of Jesus? Will you repent of your sin, turning from being the God of your life and trusting this man, Jesus? See, if you're feeling this in your heart, this is what's happening. Let me tell you what's happening. If you're feeling that in your heart, the Holy Spirit is prompting you. It means he's speaking to you. Not only is he prompting you, he's compelling you. He's convicting you. He's convincing you that you need Jesus. I just want to invite you this morning to trust him. Can you do that this morning? I just want everybody's heads to be bowed and every eye closed. And it's, I just want this to be a moment where it's just you and God, God's speaking to you. How many of you would say this morning, Pastor Bubba, I feel compelled. I feel prompting. I don't want to be religious. I want to have a relationship. I don't want to just know about him, but I want to know him in a real way. I want to invite you to.